1: who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. Now, because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and most importantly, my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, bankruptcy law. And I also practice the related fields in my own overall consumer and small business financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference point, that is to say, as they relate to personal, familial, community, and the small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people in communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat and also helped create another one with my former spouse, who was also in the military, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizens soldiers, sailors, airmen, and women, and marines And their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system, especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And as I've shared with you many times, I had the great fortune to not only know and spend time with, but actually live with and actually became great friends in different parts of my life with both my maternal and paternal grandmothers, both of whom survived the four great economic challenges of the 20th century, that is to say the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, and unfortunately the systemic racism and misogyny that continues through and to our society today. Now, as these women helped raise me and loved me and shared with me some of the great stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South, it is out of my great love and respect for these women who were always with me in spirit, along with my dad, urging me on that when the situation is right and I'm sometimes at least able to attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and the disabled who find themselves the targets of, unfortunately, unfortunately, more and more the victims of some of those most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse and adult abuse that you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money, and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof. Please don't go broke during the holiday season. And your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your and or your family's financial health, wealth, uh, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least a general overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I urge you to get Um, if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your assets and or your debts. Why do I keep saying this every week? I say because I know representing yourself in a legal manner without competent counsel is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. All of your adversaries in court will be represented by counsel with real legal weapons arrayed against you. That means that if you're lucky and you can sneak up on one of them and get real close to one of your adversaries, you might be able to scratch one of them on her arm or even poke her in the eye with your butter knife. But more likely than not, it's you who going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, your valid claims and against your adversary or your valid defenses that might shield you from your adversary will likely see the promised land way before you do. So please keep that in mind. So today we're going to continue our discussion, the discussion that we started last week on Bankruptcy 101, where I proposed on taking a 30,000 foot overview of what bankruptcy is. And in the subsequent weeks, we're going to dig a little bit deeper in how it can assist those in financial distress and help them dig themselves out of a financial hole. So again, in sum, bankruptcy is a legal procedure that can be used by individuals, families, and large and small businesses, and governmental units of states, but not the states themselves because you know, we're a federal system and a state is equal to the federal government, but their sub-tending subunits can file for bankruptcy and seek protection in the federal bankruptcy court. So if, if these individuals find themselves insolvent, that's what they can use to protect them in the bankruptcy process. That is to say, these real human beings that suck air and go to the bathroom or artificial persons these are corporate entities made up human beings that have the rights of persons when these real or artificial persons owe more money than the value of all of their assets or they are unable to repay their debts as they become due these people are candidates to file for bankruptcy And if they're able to utilize the process, bankruptcy slows down the debt collection process, and it may even allow a debtor to be released from their legal duty, their legal responsibility, to repay all or some of their debts. However, bankruptcies can also be used by individuals, families, large and small businesses, and governmental units who may be solvent on paper. That is to say, the value of their assets are equal to or greater than the, their liabilities, but they find themselves in a situation where they lack sufficient liquidity to pay some of or all of their debts as they come due. For example, they might have a bond obligation that comes due tomorrow, but they don't have enough money to uh, pay uh, the bond, but they have equity in the value of their real estate. So, by filing for bankruptcy, this uh, solvent entity on paper can get the time they need to liquidate some of their assets and bring themselves current, okay? So... Regardless of what caused the financial distress or insolvency, as the case may be, bankruptcy law provides a remedy that's spelled out in the United States Constitution. That is to say, it's found at Article One, Section 8 of the Constitution, which charges Article One, the United States Congress with putting in place and then from time to time amending or updating uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies. And these uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcy are manifest by the United States Bankruptcy Code that's produced by Congress and the Federal Rules of Bankruptcy Procedure that are overseen by the United States Supreme Court an Article Three Court, along with the appropriate federal and state statutes and case law dealing with the relationships of and the rights and responsibilities between and among debtors and creditors. Now, when a person or a family or a business organization or a subunit of a state government initiates a bankruptcy procedure, we say that they file a petition in their local bankruptcy court based on where they live or where their business is or governmental agency is headquartered, asking that court to place them under its protection to stop all actions against them by their creditors, at least temporarily. This so the debtor, where they file under Chapter 7, can have access to an orderly liquidation of their non-exempt assets while keeping their exempt assets to underwrite their fresh start. Or in the case of chapters 9, 11, 12, or 13, give the debtor time to come up with a plan of reorganization wherein they can maintain the control of their assets by paying what the court, and in the case of a chapter 11, her creditors believe is a fair and reasonable uh, amount to pay back to the creditors. Now, the importance of bankruptcy is that it provides a way out of an otherwise hopeless financial situation for the debtor, and it provides at least some semblance of fairness to... Uh, the payment of their debtors, creditors. As such, bankruptcy is an essential economic instrument, one that can transfer an overburden individual back into a productive and useful member of our society. Similarly, bankruptcy can also be used to, to restore the usefulness and functionality of a local government unit or it can assist an otherwise viable business in the return to profitability. Last week, I went into great detail about why bankruptcy was so important to the efficient running and functioning of our capital-based economic system. This week, when we come back, we'll open a discussion about why you may not be a good candidate for this procedure. But first, we'll take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side.
2: Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead.
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of today's topic, Bankruptcy 101. Now, before the break, I reiterated the importance of bankruptcy and how it is such an important component in an efficiently and effectively running capital-based economic system like ours in that it provides a way out for an otherwise hopeless financial situation for the debtor and it provides some semblance of fairness in the repayment of debts to the debtor's creditors. As such, I say again, bankruptcy is an essential economic instrument one that can transfer an overburdened individual and her family back into a productive and useful members of our society. Similarly, bankruptcy can also be used to restore the usefulness and functionality of local government units that fall on hard times due to a dried up tax base, for se, or an otherwise viable business. Help it return to profitability so it can continue to employ people and pay taxes. However, you must know that bankruptcy is not for everyone. In fact, if you're the wrong kind of person with the wrong kind of badass attitude, or you got into debt in some untoward way, Filing for bankruptcy may be the biggest mistake you ever made in your life because you're not going to get a discharge. And some of you or all of your debts may be adjudicated by a bankruptcy judge to be non-dischargeable forever. That's a financial death sentence in some instances. So, There's a section of the bankruptcy code that I'm honing in on, and not that you need to remember this number, or or even if you do, maybe you can look it up on Google afterwards, but it's bankruptcy code section 523, dealing with exceptions to discharge. Now, last time we talked about discharge is the ultimate goal of anyone that files for bankruptcy because you can discharge some or all of your debt depending on the facts and circumstances. So exception to discharge means, uh uh-uh, this debt sticks to you like white on rice. You can never get rid of it. So an overview of Section 5. 23. This section of the bankruptcy code operates as an exception to Section 722B's general grant of discharge at the conclusion of a bankruptcy. Section 523 provides a list of particular debts that are described as non-dischargeable. Now, no single public policy rationale justifies the inclusion of each of the debts accepted from bankruptcy discharge. Rather, non-dischargeability is justified, and thus the obligations are included in Section 523, 523 for two broad reasons. The first reason is because of the worthiness of the creditor in comparison to the debtor. And the second reason is the misconduct of the debtor. So the worthiness of the creditor, this is a public policy determination by Congress. Remember, they're the ones in charge. So. It might be that there is a higher calling to call for us to repay our debts, notwithstanding the fact that we would otherwise be alib- eligible to have the debt discharged. And the other broad category is, you are such a badass that um, Congress agrees that you're a badass, and so you have to pay this debt. So let's look at look at these two broad categories of non-dischargeable debt, Okay. A reading of 523 as a whole indicates that most of the exceptions to discharge and bankruptcy are in place, Uh, first, to avoid uh, the payment of certain types of debt, the payments that are important for important policy reasons. Okay, so exceptions falling into this category that there's public policy reasons to not have this debt be discharged are most unseasoned taxes and custom duties. So, we you know, to run a government, we need to pay taxes. Some of your taxes can be discharged in bankruptcy if they're seasoned. What does that mean? That means that you actually filed a non-fraudulent tax return, but maybe you were unable to pay your taxes. After a while, the tax that's due falls into a black hole and you don't have to pay it. But for most of us, the taxes are unseasoned, meaning they haven't been in that stasis stage for long enough. So those taxes are non-dischargeable. Or you have debt to pay your tax debt. So what do I mean by that? You pay your taxes with a credit card or the proceeds of a personal loan, and then you stiff the lender thinking that you're going to file for bankruptcy. And since it's credit card debt, you think that it's unsecured and you're going to be able to get rid of it along with your other credit card debt. Not another area uh, of uh, of debt that cannot be or that is non-dischargeable is alimony and child support payments. The public policy reason is if you don't take care of your own kids or your former spouse, the rest of us have to. And Congress has decided that we don't want to take care of Of you and your former spouse and your kids. That's your responsibility. So if you owe uh, alimony or child support, you're going to have to pay that (laughs) in bankruptcy, and you're going to have to be current. And uh, so that means that that kind of debt is not going to be dischargeable in bankruptcy. Another kind of debt that's not dischargeable are fines, penalties, and forfeitures that are owed to your government. Again, Government is the, is the entity that set up this bankruptcy process. So, government is going to look out for itself. Also, educational loans made or insured by government or nonprofit institutions, i.e., the infamous student loan debt that's all over the news today. Another kind of debt that's not dischargeable uh, is order or articles or orders of restitution. And that comes about when you are charged with a crime or misdemeanor. I'm not going to get into the detail, but you're charged with a crime and you're convicted of that crime or you take a plea with a restitution component as part of your sentence. That debt can't be discharged in bankruptcy. And uh, another kind of debt is support owed under state law and enforceable under the Social Security Act. Uh, Okay, so the level of fault For these kind of debtors have no bearing on these exceptions. The exceptions turn on the type of debt incurred. Now the other large category of bankruptcy exceptions relies on the presumption of fault or bad acts by the debtor. These exceptions um, are not dependent on the type of debt itself, but the type of fault or culpability. Uh, that's charged to the debtor who incurred the debt. Such exceptions include debts generated by money, goods, or services that were obtained by fraud or falsehood uh, by the debtor. That is to say, you cooked your books and presented them to the lender, and based on these cookbooks, the lender uh le- gave you money, lent you money. Um, when you file for bankruptcy, the lender is going to come into your bankruptcy case and see to it that you do not get away with discharging what you owe that particular lender. Also, for willful and malicious conduct, that is another area. Um, Also, if you cause the death or injury of someone else while driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs or flying an airplane under the influence of alcohol or drugs, for that matter, uh, that, that will not be dischargeable and also fraud or defalcation while acting as a fiduciary or if you uh, uh, embezzle or or you commit larceny. An example would be someone uh, has money in her trust account, uh, that money belongs to her client and she decides that she's just gonna have a big party and spend all that money and try to skip town. No, someone's gonna get in trouble with the state bar And if she thinks she can file for bankruptcy, she's going to be SOL. So we're going to leave it there for now. But when we come back again next time, we're going to continue our discussion on the pros and cons, the goods and bads of bankruptcy and how you might need to keep it in mind in case you run into hard times and fall on financial distress. But we're going to leave it there for now. But as always, in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws of bankruptcy and their protections of us if we have a positive reason to be in there and how it can really cause us a lot of pain if we're trying to exploit the system. But in the meantime, and inasmuch as it appears that some or all of the variants of COVID-19 will be with us for the foreseeable future, I once again ask you to please get vaccinated and boosted and don't forget to get your flu shots. And even if you have all your shots, but especially if you don't, please take the necessary precautions to protect not only yourselves and your families, but those you come into contact with, like me. So at a minimum, please mask up when we're out and about. There's a ble- bad, uh, there's a tri going on right now that we all need to try to stay away from. So, till next time, take care, bye for now, and happy holidays.
2: Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com.
0: The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.